Chapter Nineteen of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Nineteen: The King of Sweden leaves Saxony, marches into Lithuania, meets with an instance of Russian brutality, drives the Tsar out of Grodno, and pursues him to the Borysthenes. Horatio, with others, is taken prisoner by the Russians and carried to Petersburg where they suffer the extremest miseries the word at length being given the tents were struck the trumpets sounded and the whole army was immediately in motion never was a more gay and glorious sight the splendour of their arms and the richness of their habits blazed against the sun but what was yet more pleasing and spread greater terror among their enemies was the cheerfulness that sat on every face and showed they followed with the utmost alacrity their beloved and victorious monarch it was in the latter end of september a season extremely cold in those parts that they began their march but hardships were natural to the king of sweden's troops and as they perceived they were going into lithuania a place where their valour had been so well proved against the invading muscovites their cheeks glowed with a fresher red on the remembrance of their former victories they passed near dresden the capital of the electorate of saxony and made augustus tremble in his palace though the word of the king which ever was inviolable had been given that he should enjoy those dominions in peace during the course of this the czar had fallen upon the frontiers of poland above twenty times not like a general desiring to come to a decisive battle but like a robber plundering ravaging and destroying the defenceless country people and immediately flying on the approach of any troops either of charles the twelfth or king stanislaus the swedes in their march met several parties sent on these expeditions but who retired on sight of the army into woods and were most of them either killed or taken prisoners by detachments sent in to pursue them by the king of sweden in their march towards grodno they found the remains of an encampment several pieces of cannon and ammunition of all sorts but not one creature to guard it the troops to whom it belonged having all dispersed and hid themselves on examining the tents they were surprised with the sight of a very beautiful woman who was lying on the ground in one of them with three others who seemed endeavouring to comfort her and by the respect they paid her that they were her dependents but had all of them their garments torn and bloody their hair hanging in strange disorder about their ears, their flesh discoloured with bruises and other marks of violence, and as well as their disconsolate superior, were spectacles of the utmost distress. The king of Sweden himself, followed by General Horn, Poniatowski, Horatio and several others, who hardly ever lost sight of him, came into this tent, and being touched with so moving a scene, demanded the occasion on which the prostrate lady being told who it was that spoke suddenly started up and throwing herself at his feet o oh, king cried she in the german language as famous for justice as for being invincible in war revenge the cause of helpless innocence and virtue oh let the murderous brutal russians find heaven's vindictive arm in you its great vicegerent she was able to utter no more the inward agonies she sustained on being about to relate the story of her wrongs became too violent for speech and she sunk motionless to the earth two of the women assisted by some swedes carried her out of the tent 
as thinking the open air most proper to revive her and she who remained satisfied the king's curiosity in these words may it please your majesty said she my mistress that afflicted lady who just now implored your royal pity is of the noble family of the castleburg in saxony only daughter to the present count her person before these heavy misfortunes fell upon her was deservedly reputed one of the most beautiful that graced the court of dresden her birth her youth her charms and the great fortune it was expected she would be mistress of attracted a great number of persons who addressed her for marriage her own inclinations as well as the count her father's commands disposed of her to emma muski a polish nobleman and she had been scarce one month a bride before they unhappily took this journey to visit my lord's mother who lives at travenstadt in our way we met a party of straggling muscovites who notwithstanding the strict league between our elector and the czar and the knowledge they had by our passports that we were saxons stripped us of everything killed all our men-servants and having given my lord several wounds left him for dead upon the place then dragged us miserable women to the camp my lady in the midst of faintings and when she was incapable even of flying to death for refuge was brutally ravished and we her wretched attendants suffered the same abuse shame will not let me continued she blushing and weeping acquaint your majesty with the shocking and repeated violations we were compelled to bear the wretches casting lots who first should gratify his monstrous desires we were all bound to trees and without any means of opposition but our shrieks and cries to unrelenting heaven my lord having a little recovered himself had crawled as well as his wounds would give him leave after us and arrived even while the horrid scene was acting rage giving him new strength and spirits he snatched a sword that lay upon the earth and sent to perdition the villain who was about to add to the dishonour which had been alas but too much completed by the others the death of their companion incensing the accursed muscovites they turned upon him and in a moment laid him dead just at the feet of his ruined and almost expiring wife and having satiated their wicked will they left us bound as we were where we continued the remainder of the day and whole night and had doubtless perished through hunger and extreme cold if a second party had not passed that way who having been out on a marauding were then returning to the camp being actuated by somewhat more compassion than the former one of the officers made us be untied and having heard our story blamed the cruelty with which we had been treated and brought us to his tent the same we are now in and ordered something should be given for our refreshment but my lady has continued obstinate to die and to that end has refused all sustenance this oh invincible monarch is the sad history of our misfortunes misfortunes which alas can never be retrieved nor admit any consolation but in the hope of vengeance here a torrent of tears closed the sad narration and the king cried out turning as he spoke to us that followed him it is the cause of heaven and earth my friends said he to punish these barbarians and show them that there is a god for sure at present they are ignorant of it the generous monarch after this gave orders that these afflicted and abused women should be escorted to a place of safety and for that purpose 
halted for the space of two days then proceeded towards grodno with such expedition that after ages will look upon it as incredible that so large an army and also encumbered with a great quantity of baggage could have marched in the time they did but the king of sweden was on fire to encounter in person the czar of muscovy who with about two thousand men was then in that city so great was his impatience that he galloped before his troops not above six hundred of those best mounted being able to keep pace with him till he came in sight of the south gate which gave him entrance without any opposition while the czar and his forces made their escape out at the north gate not doubting but the king of sweden's whole army were come up with him he was afterwards so much vexed and ashamed to think he had quitted the town to no more than six hundred of the enemy that to retrieve a mistake which he feared might be looked upon as cowardice being informed the body of the army was near five leagues off he sent a party of fifteen hundred horse in order to surprise the king and his few guards the muscovites entered by night but the alarm being given the fortune which still had waited on the swedish armies immediately put them all to rout and the army soon after arriving the conqueror lost no time but pursued those that remained alive into the forest of Mensky, on the other side of which the czar had then entrenched himself and had made the general rendezvous of the russian army which was continually divided into parties and sometimes falling on the swedes in the rear and sometimes in the flank very much annoyed them in their march these brave men had also other difficulties to encounter with the forest was so extremely thick that the infantry were obliged to fell down trees every moment during the whole time of their passage to make way for the baggage and troops their industry and vigour surmounting all these obstacles they once more found themselves in an open country but on the banks of a river on the opposite side of which were twenty thousand muscovites placed to oppose their crossing the king made no delay but quitting his horse threw himself into the river and was instantly followed by all the foot while the troops under the command of general renchild and horn galloped round through the morass in which the river ended and both together charged the enemy who after some faint show of resistance fled with the utmost precipitation the whole army being now joined marched on towards the baristhenes but with fatigues which are impossible to be described horatio kept still close to the king and whether he fought or marched was on foot or on horseback was always in his sight ready to bear his commands to the generals or assist him in the time of danger more than once had the conqueror been indebted to this young warrior for turning the point of the destructive sword from giving him the same death he was dealing about to others yet in all the dangers he had been in never had he received one wound and this often made the king say who was a firm believer in predestination that heaven designed him for a soldier his fortune his valour his activity added to his obliging and modest behaviour indeed rendered him so dear to his royal master that there were very few if any to whom he gave greater marks of his favour and had dorilaus or even charlotta herself all tender as she was and trembling for the hazards she knew he had been exposed to seen him thus caressed and honoured by the most glorious prince and greatest hero in the world they could scarce have wished him to quit the post he was in much less persuaded him to do it 
he hitherto indeed had experienced only the happiness of a martial life for the fatigues hardships and dangers of it he had as little regard as the intrepid and indefatigable prince he served but now arrived the time which was to inflict on him the worst miseries of it and make him almost curse a vocation he had been in his soul so much attached to the king of sweden with his usual success having passed the baristhenes encountered a party of ten thousand muscovites and six thousand kalmuk tartars but they gave way on the first onset and fled into a wood where the king following the dictates of his great courage more than prudence pursuing them fell into an ambuscade which throwing themselves between him and three regiments of horse that were with him hemmed him in and now began a very unequal fight many of the gallant swedes were cut to pieces and the muscovites made quite up to his majesty two aides-de-camps were killed within his presence his own horse was shot under him and as an equerry was presenting him with another both horse and man were struck dead in the same moment horatio immediately alighted in order to mount the king who now on foot behaved with incredible valour and in that action was surrounded and taken prisoner as were several others that had fought near his person he had the satisfaction however while they were disarming and tying his hands to see colonel dardoff with his regiment force through the kalmuks and arrive timely enough to disengage the king after which the army recovering its rank and pouring in upon the enemy he was not without hopes of regaining his liberty but he was sat upon a horse and bound fast to the saddle and compelled with the others that were taken with him to accompany the muscovites in their flight so was ignorant in what manner this re-encounter ended soon after repairing to the czar's quarters these unfortunate officers of the king of sweden were with some others who had before become their prize sent under a strong guard to petersburg and thrown altogether into a miserable dungeon it would be impossible to describe the horrors of this place light there was but it was only so much as just served to show to each of these unhappy sufferers the common calamity of them all the roof was arched indeed but so low that the shortest among them could scarce stand upright no kind of furniture not even straw to cover the damp earthen floor which served them for a seat by day and bed at night inured as they had been to hardships the noisomeness of this dreadful vault killed many of them and among the rest a young swedish officer named gullenstern one with whom horatio had contracted a very intimate friendship and who for his many excellent qualities had been so dear to the king that seeing him one day greatly wounded and in danger of being taken prisoner that generous prince obliged him to mount on his own horse and fought on foot himself till another could be brought the sight of this gentleman expiring in his arms filled horatio with so poignant an anguish that he wanted but little of following him and indeed had it not been for the sanguine hopes that the king would in a short time complete the ruin of the czar and not only restore them liberty but also add vengeance to it for the ill-treatment they had found in his dominions few if any of them had been able to support the miseries inflicted on them by these inhuman wretches who not content with burying them in a manner alive for the dungeon they were in was deep underground 
and allowing them no other food than bread and water once in four-and-twenty hours made savage sport at their condition ridiculed the conquests of their king and spoke in the most opprobrious terms of his royal person which when some of them were unable to restrain themselves from answering in a manner befitting their duty and love of justice they were silenced by the most cruel stripes thus were the officers of the king of sweden the meanest of whom were fit to be generals in any other army subjected to the servile taunts and insolent behaviour of wretches undeserving to be ranked among the human species a very little time had doubtless made them all find graves among these barbarians scarce a day passed over without their company decreasing by two or three who were no sooner dead than dragged out by the heels and thrown like dogs into a pit without the least funeral rites but providence at length thought fit to send them a relief by means they least expected in one of the incursions made by the muscovites into poland a very beautiful lady whose father had been killed in asserting the cause of stanislas was made prisoner prince menzikoff who commanded these battalions saw her and became enamoured of her charms she was destitute of all friends and in the conqueror's power so thought it best to yield what otherwise she found him determined to seize in fine she was his mistress and her ready compliance with his desires together with the love she either had or feigned to have for him afterwards gained her an absolute ascendant over him every one knows the interest he had with the czar and he so far exerted it as to get this fair favourite lodged in the palace where she was served with the same state and respect as if she had been his wife this lady whose name was edella happened to be walking with some of her attendants near where these unfortunate gentlemen were buried at a time when three of them were dragged to their wretched sepulchre and was touched with compassion to see anything that had a human shape thus coarsely treated though after death and had the curiosity to order one of her people to inquire who those persons were and what they had done which hindered them from being allowed a christian burial she was no sooner informed that they were swedish prisoners than her soul shuddered at the thoughts of the russian barbarity and not doubting but their usage during life had been of a piece with that after death she resolved if possible to procure some abatement of the miseries of those who yet survived to this end she made it her business to examine what number of prisoners had been brought of what condition they were and where lodged and being well acquainted with all she wanted to know went to the governor of petersburg and so well represented how dishonourable it was to the czar and how opposite to the law of nations to treat prisoners of war in a worse manner than they would do condemned felons that he knowing the power of prince menzikoff and fearing to disoblige one so dear to him by a refusal consented they should be removed into an upper part of the prison where they would have more air and also that they should have an allowance of meat every day as the governor was a true muscovite in his nature and had an implacable hatred to the king of sweden and all that belonged to him this was gaining a great deal but it was not enough to satisfy the charitable disposition of edella after their removal she went in person to visit those of them whom she heard were gentlemen 
and finding them covered only with rags which some of the soldiers had put on them after having stripped them of their own rich habits she ordered others lined with furs to be made for them to defend them from the coldness of the season and not content to retrench a great part of her own table sold several fine jewels and other trinkets the prince had bestowed on her to supply them with wine and whatever necessaries she supposed them to be accustomed to that she might be certain those entrusted by her did not abuse her good intentions she went often to the prison herself to see how they were served and would sometimes enter into discourse with them concerning the battles they had been in the settlement of stanislaus and many other things relating to polish affairs the gallant and courtly manner in which horatio expressed himself on every occasion made her take a particular pleasure in hearing him speak that rough blunt behaviour to which she had been accustomed since her being brought a captive into muscovy gave double charms to the politeness with which she found herself entertained by our young warrior his blooming years and the gracefulness of his person contributed not a little also towards rendering everything he said more agreeable her liking of him grew by degrees into a friendship no less tender than one feels for very near relations and who have never done anything to disoblige us are more endeared by being under undeserved calamity but as the inclination she had for him was perfectly innocent and no ways prejudicial to the prince who was in possession of her person she made no secret of it either to himself or those she conversed with and was always talking of the wit delicacy and handsomeness of one of the prisoners whom it was well known were pensioners to her bounty but how dangerous is it to be too open before persons who void of all true generosity or the lead principle of honour themselves never fail to put the worst construction on the actions of others edella was very near being undone by her sincerity in acknowledging the distinction she paid to merit or the compassion she felt for misfortunes in a country where humanity to enemies is looked upon as a crime friendship to those of the same party altogether unknown and even common civility never practised but for the gratification of self-interest or some favourite passion this beautiful polander however being treated by the muscovites on account of the influence she had over prince menzikoff with as much complaisance as it was in their power to show imagined their disposition less savage than it was in reality and when she testified the pity she had for these unhappy gentlemen it was with design to excite it in others and engage them to join with her in petitioning the czar at his return for their enlargement there being no cartel or exchange of prisoners subsisting between him and the king of sweden among the number she hoped again to her party was matakesa the relic of a general who had been in great favour with his prince this lady who could speak french having learned it of a recusant that took shelter in russia consented to go with her one day to the prison and no sooner saw horatio than unfortunately for him idella and herself she became charmed with him as she was of the number of those who think nothing a crime that suits their own inclination she took not the least pains to subdue the growing passion but rather indulged it in order to receive the highest degree of pleasure in the gratification she doubted not but idella was her rival and that it was for his sake alone she had been so beneficent to his fellow-sufferers 
to supplant her therefore was the first step she had to take and she resolved to omit nothing for that purpose End of chapter 19